0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Heartfelt prayer from a clean heart close to the Lord for all people that don't know Christ as Savior. No, where would you begin for that? Let me give you some areas and then you fill in the names. One area could be a family member. Again, who in your family that you know that might have heard the gospel over and over again and maybe even from your lips that still refuse to go public and trust Christ as their Savior? All right, you got your family. Then how about those that would be your friends? These would be people, not your, 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 your family, but people that you kind of hang with, people that you call up on the phone, people that you do things, your peers it might be. And you kids know what I'm talking about. Are you absolutely certain that they have trusted Christ as their personal savior? Are you absolutely sure? Pray for them. And then you might want to talk about those people you work with. You could talk about your neighbors, those people that are in your sphere of influence that you know already, that you already have some bit of a relationship with. You begin to pray for them. Most of you know the story of my dad, those of you that don't. My dad was an unsaved man. He didn't go to church. He grew up in a home that hated religion. And so he reared his kids with no church, no prayer, no nothing, no God. Good thing about dad, he never was anti-God. Bad thing about dad, he was non-God. So we were reared in a non-God home. The only bit I knew about Christ is whatever I would see on television. You can imagine if I was young today what I'd hear a little nativity scene that my mom got somewhere and put up, which was the only visible sign of Christ at Christmas. And my dad reminded me over and over again, Stan, good boys go to heaven, bad boys go to hell. Stan, you're bad, you're going to hell. And so I lived my life fearing of going to hell, trying to be good. All of that message is wrong according to the Bible. As good as it was to try to keep me clean, it would not get me into heaven. I remember the night that Carol led me to Christ... I was so excited about that, I ran home, drove home, late at night, threw open the door. My dad was waiting up for me, which was very unusual for a man in construction to wait up for a son at 1.30 in the morning. He was livid that I came home so late. But I was so excited, not that I came home late, but that I knew I was going to heaven. And the first thing I said to dad is, Dad, guess what? I'm going to heaven, and you're going to hell. You know, And I did that. It was wrong. But I was so excited. The good news was, after many years of prayer... My dad finally came to faith. My mom came to faith. My sister-in-law sat in this area of our sanctuary here in this building with my brother. Lost. She trusted Christ as her Savior. So don't think that your family is a lost cause. Much prayer, much power in God's timing. So yes, get out the gospel, but maybe for you the first step is is to fertilize the ground. Break up those hard hearts by prayer. So you pray for leaders, you pray for the lost, you make the list, you get on your knees and celebrate the victory when it happens. But also, to pray for those who can labor to let the whole world know. This verse is not found in 1 Timothy, it's found in Luke 10 and it says, Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, and folks it is, but the laborers are few, and they are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Would you circle the phrase, send out laborers, How do we do that? We pray for them. Now, the Lord is not on the earth praying for these people any longer, but He has commissioned us to be on this earth praying for others. And since He did it on the earth and we're a partaker of His divine nature, then the same prayer, the heartfelt prayer, the passionate prayer for those To not only come to know Christ, but those who are saved can still beat within our chest. Because it's Christ's heart beating after those people. So we need to pray for others. Number two, we need to pray with a personal concern for others. Now I can throw up names and a lot of you can do the same thing. And I, I think we might call that praying. We're talking to God. We're dropping a name there. But it might be wise for us for just a moment to think about what it's like to be lost again. Confused, frustrated, empty, searching... And for a moment, have that passion for those lost people that we're praying for. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.14. It says, For the love of Christ compels us. Christ died for all. That those who live, that you and me, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So how do I pray for them? I pray with them with the love of Christ. Now look up here, folks, for a second. Some of the folks that I've asked you to think about, that you've tried to give the gospel to, and you have failed because they have rejected you, the natural response is to feel hurt, betrayed, even a little bit angry, of course embarrassed, and especially if they keep the pot boiling by mocking you because earlier on you did give them the gospel. So it's easy to have a moment there of, I don't want any part of this right here. Well, here's what God does not ask us to do. I hope you can hear this. I used to think... When I was an early Christian and I was now reminded of my responsibility to share the gospel that I needed to love the lost world. And so I tried to work up that that man-made love for them because I I needed to love them. And then I felt guilty if I didn't love them enough until I learned something. I learned that it's not my love for them because I will never love them fully unconditionally because I can't in myself because I'm wrapped in flesh. But now, if I remember that Christ loved the world, Christ died and rose again, and it's His compassion for the lost world, then what I do is I don't try to say, I love the world because of what they've done. For me, I love the world because I should love them. What I do now is I focus on Christ. I remember who He is. I remember why He did what He did. I remember what He did. And I remember that Christ is still in me, the hope of glory. And He loves them, and He demonstrated that love. So now within me now, I can have that same compassionate passion for those lost people as I allow His love to be loved out through me to those other people. So for just a moment, no matter what those people did to you, they really are doing it to Christ in His message. And He did it to Christ in His message and Christ still died for them, still rose again, still offers them eternal life. So because He still can do it, it's not I, it's Him. I can't, He can, therefore I will. And it's so beautiful to see that. And that's what this whole passage is talking about. I can do it because He is in me. I like what Oswald Smith said. He said, The light that shines the farthest will shine the brightest at home. Think about that. If we really want to give the gospel to those that are far away, and I'm talking to you older saints that are here for just a moment, and I say this in love. We love our missionaries. We want to support them, and we will do everything we can to have huge mission conferences and write letters and visit them and bring them in and fund them all that we can. But remember, as much as we do that, our missionaries are wondering, are they doing it back home as well, that we're in this together? And so if we want to shine brighter there, we've got to shine brightly here. And I'm, I'm thinking about that now. I'm thinking about here we are. We are facing, in my personal opinion, one of the largest, the most church-wide intensive outreach programs we have for the entire year, which is our No Fright Kids Night. Think about it with me for a moment. You open up any Friday section of the paper and you're going to see very soon, if you haven't already, a litany of haunted houses and spook trails and everything else going on in this island to try to arrest the minds of the kids and really to market what they're doing, to raise money to do that and what real benefits are going to come to those kids. That's what they're doing. And of course they're going to do a great job. They charge plenty for it. Of course they're going to do a great job. Satan's going to fund it. Of course they're going to do a good job because everybody likes that. Who wants to be told that they're a sinner and they need Christ as their Savior? However, when you open up that paper, how many times are you going to see a full page ad that says to the rest of the community that is plenty out there that says, I don't want my kids to be scared silly. I don't want them to embrace that kind of culture out there. But there's nothing else. I don't have an alternative. How great it would be that we would have a full-page ad that says, we offer No Fright Kids Night, and we do it better than the world. Our games are better. Our food is better. Our music is better. The excitement is better. And I don't want to say the gospel is better, because what they have is nothing. We only have the truth. How exciting that will be. And so that's the passion. Now watch what I'm saying for just a moment. If you know that I care for you, would you at least say, "Uh uh-huh? Because now I'm going to step on some toes. Maybe. I don't want to be misunderstood about what I'm about to say. I am very much for No Fright Kids Night. You've, done no, you've, you've exceeded last year, and I can only imagine what next year is. So do not stop. It's all about that. But what I want to do is I'm going to ask you to stretch yourself even more. And here's where I'm going with this. You could put so much of your money and energy in providing the most quality program. But if we don't put the same amount of prayer and work in the front end, a connectivity to those children and parents that have kids to bring them here, no matter how great this is, it will not be or have the same results if we put the same energy in the front end of this thing as well. Remember, these booths and all that we're going to be doing can do as many as 500 or 600 kids as well as we can do 100 So let's pack this place out by making sure that on the front end of this thing, we are so thinking about lost people. So we'll shine further away because we shine brighter here. Are you still okay with me? All right, now take one more step. Nothing away from the event. I applaud that. You know that. I'm just saying make sure that Satan doesn't get us so caught up in doing all about the event that we don't put the same energy in here. Now I'm going to go to the back end of the event the event is over, the booths are down, We've, we're going home to finally get our shower, it feels so good, it's, it's over. It is not over. In a sense, it has only just begun. Getting them here, seeing the love that's here and the excitement that's here, all that is done, hopefully through prayer, created fertile minds, fertile hearts for what we can do in the future. And this is where Satan will shut it down. Satan has no problem with us having a great event. You know, hey, do all that you want as long as you don't really get the gospel out or you don't invite a whole lot of people or invite a lot of people have a great event but then go home and shut the door and wait till next year this is where it's at the building the bridges the visiting the sending of the letters the following up the phone calls the going to check on it and I know some people don't want to be bothered and all of that I'd rather have a person say to me too many of you get away you're just too bothering me than to have the one person that say they had the event but they never called me back afterwards So just think about it and sense where God would have you. So we need to have personal concern for others. Let's go to number three. I need to pray with a willingness to work with others for others. Those of you that have not been to our No Fright Kids Night, I told you it is one of the best, I think it is the best outreach event that we do as a church here on a yearly basis. We have some other great ones with our Night of Delights and all of that, but No Fright Kids Night. One of the reasons is because the church has embraced... A value of knowing that we can't do No Fright Kids Night by ourselves. We need one another to do this with it. And so many people are stepping up. I don't even have the time to tell you about all this stuff, all the money. Look it. I got candy up here already coming in here. All right? God is moving. But let me go a little bit further with this passage. This is huge. Jesus is now back in John 17 praying again. Now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you've given me, that they may be one as we are. Who I love that. That they may be one, that's you and me, as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that we're all one and we're all in Christ, God the Father. All right? Just like Christ and God the Father are one, Christ is in God the Father. So there's this big unity thing going on. Go a little bit further. And the glory which you gave me I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. And I in them and you in me that they may be perfect in one that the world may know that you have sent me and I love them as you love me. Now listen folks. That's why why we do here No Fright Kids Night we ought not to be afraid to partner with other ministries organizations and churches watch this, watch this that believe and promote The same gospel by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And secondly, that the core doctrines of our faith, the fundamentals of our faith doctrine, will agree and not to be us for no more. So maybe we ought to think twice about too many titles that we have. Like one person says, the tag will blow off when you go up, it'll burn off if you go down. It's not about the tags. It's all about are we one in Christ? Now, what will keep us on the correct page of being one is when we are one in Christ because God won't let us in Him if we're still going to embrace a doctrine that is not biblical. If we believe a message that is not faith alone in Christ, we will not be one in Him. So as we can be one in Him, then we can be one in each other and we're all together doing a great work for God. I celebrate our missionaries. We have the greatest bunch of missionaries and I hope that we'll be That's the word I want to say. Birthing, maybe is a good word. More missionaries as we go out. And our missionary family would be together in global evangelism. How important that really is. Well, I do need to bring this to a close. So let me give you number four and we'll get out of here. He says, I need to pray with joy. I need to pray with joy. He says here in John 17, But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled In themselves now that is a great lesson and I encourage you to go to uh, Brian's class when he gets to John 17 as he opens up the joy that's in Christ that's in God the Father that joy that emits from him because he is joy the fruit of the Spirit is joy can be in us and how do we have that fullness of joy comes when we are intimate with God as our Savior okay now Christ is our Savior okay now stay with me now that joy began When we put our faith alone in Christ and we were born again, we get that new nature, the capacity for the Spirit which brings the fruit so that now we can have the joy of Christ in us and the fruit of the Spirit of that joy. There's something mystical, magical going on here that's bigger than I could ever explain. All that's happening. But that happens, watch this, when I trust Christ as my Savior. The night I trusted Christ and I flew home to my dad and I was so excited... Now, it doesn't mean I was a twirling boat high, tie, woo-hoo, but it was so, I was different. There was something that went on. I knew my sins were forgiven. The guilt was gone. I have a home in heaven, and I know that I'm going to go there. There's a joy that was there. Can you remember when you might have trust Christ, trusted Christ as your Savior when you found that? Have you had that experience, the joy that you had? <laughs> How many of you lost your keys, and when you found your keys, you're like, wow, I found my keys, you know? How about that? Can you imagine when you find Christ? Let's flip it a little bit. How about the person who does the finding as well as the one who does the, who's the found? Can you mo- think for a moment in this story of the coin, the sheep, you know how lost they all were and when they were found, the joy that was there? Carol's dad, rough, tough, hard to diaper guy, and... Um, We've tried to give him the gospel, I don't know how many times, but he, he, he's wired uniquely, and Carol and I know. So I'm okay with this. But Carol had a burden for her dad because he loves her dad, and there's no reason not to. He's a good man, hardworking man. And he and I are both strong personalities, um, and so you can imagine we've had some interesting relationships, but it's always been submissive in that, that issue. And so Carol says, I can't get through to my dad. Would, 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 you, lead him to would you give him the gospel again? I said, yep, here's what we did. We did what this passage talked about. We prayed, heartfelt prayer. So I was alone with my father-in-law about three or four years ago and I talked the story about salvation, about Carol being in heaven, his wife being in heaven, his daughter being in heaven, the one who died of cancer is in heaven, the grandkids being in heaven. I'll be in heaven. Dad, it would bring great comfort for us to know that you too would be in heaven, but we'd like to know before we get there and find you up there. And so I went through the whole message again. and But I also know prayer, watch this, the power of the gospel. Once that seed is planted, you then continue bathing in prayer. At the end of the visit, we're getting ready to get into the car to leave not knowing when we'll see him again six months, a year later. You know how it is when you're far away and off island. He then, we're all saying goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. He then pauses and he says to Carol and me, I just want you to know I did it. I'll see you in heaven. All right? I did it. I'll see you in heaven. One of the hardest things I thought I was going to be facing was how do you preach your father-in-law's funeral when you know he died and went to hell? What can you say? Now I... Well, I don't want to say I can't wait to preach his funeral. That sounds horrible, you know. (laughs) I'm in trouble now, but you know what I mean. All right. We're no special. I'm not a special soul winner, evangelist. I don't have any more ability than you do. But I have access to all that I need in Christ. And so where do you begin for you? It's prayer. When is it? Right now. Who is it for? Leaders. Anyone who's lost. And pray for all of us. That we're in this together to reach other people for Christ. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed, every eye closed. I began this little chat from God's Word about how that Christ prayed for those who knew Christ as Savior, but he also prayed for those who will come to faith in Christ. So here's what you need to know, dear ones. 2,000 years ago, Christ was praying for you before you were ever born. You were in the mind of God before you were in your mother's womb. And he was talking to God the Father about you. That you would believe. Now notice, none of that passage said that you would behave, that you would believe and behave, just that you would believe in Christ. You know that God loves you. How much do you have to hear on that? We've talked about that. He proved his love to you. He was compassionate. He died, rose again. He says, to go to heaven, it's not by good works. It is by faith alone. If you do not trust Christ as Savior, you'll spend eternity separated from him in a real place called hell. He prayed for you to believe. He did all of the work for you. He brought you the message today again. He's convicting you of your sin right now, but the one thing he will not do, he will not do your believing for you. You've got to do that. It doesn't make sense for him to pray that you would believe if he was already going to make you believe. This is your time. One thing he knows that you don't even know, and that is when the opportunity to believe will be removed from you. And that only happens when you die. You can get in that wonderful car you have, get out of the poly, and get whacked. Please, my friend, be an answer to his own prayer by trusting Christ as your Savior. Simply say this, Lord, I'm a sinner, I know I've done things wrong, but right now I'm going to trust Christ as the one who died and rose again. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand if today is the day, in your own words, you're trusting Christ as your Savior. Now, praying doesn't really get you into heaven either. It's a time for you, though, to personally acknowledge that He is the Lord. But you are calling unto Him. It's not just knowing to believe. It's that you really are trusting in Christ. So tell the Lord that. Say, Lord, thank you for dying. Thank you that you are my Savior now because I am trusting in you. You tell him all that. You have that little time of communion with him, that mental transaction. And celebrate the good feeling that you might have right now, that your sins are forgiven and that you're going to heaven. It doesn't mean you know all the Bible. You've got tons of questions. But what has been answered is, what do I need to do to go to heaven? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You did that. God says you're going to heaven. The authority of his word, not mine. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if today is the day you're willing to call upon the Lord to be your Savior, today is the day you're placing your faith alone in Him, and you'd like for me to pray for you without saying a word, you won't have to stand up, you won't come forward, I won't embarrass you, but if you're trusting Christ today in here, and today is the day you're doing that, would you sup up your hand real high and then put it right back down again? Put it up, put it down. Anyone at all? Anyone today? Thank you. Thank you. All right. For the rest of you that know Christ is your Savior, You know Christ is your Savior. You know you're going to heaven, but the others don't. Will you, first off, make a covenant with the Lord that you will be more prayer conscious and more faithful in praying for, number one, those who don't know Christ, and number two, those who know Christ as Savior, that God would use them to reach others for Christ along with yourself. And when you pray for others, pray for those that are in leadership. It's a struggle to be in leadership. You know, we could... You know, when you're on a pedestal, you're an easier target. And I don't mean they put them up there, but you're in a position of influence and visibility. Pray for them to come to know Christ as Savior. Pray for Christians who are already around them to be bolder with their faith than they are. Or maybe we'd be more consistent with their testimony so they're not sending a mixed message. Pray for those in leadership, whoever they might be. Pray for those who are lost, beginning in your own family. Your friends, your relatives, your associates, your neighbors. And then pray for our world that needs Christ. And then pray again for our brothers and sisters that God would send more of us out there to do the job. And if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to pray for one more thing. That God would call out of our group people that would want to go into full-time vocational Christian work. And that we would have the means to equip them, to train them, to prepare them, so they can confidently and accurately communicate sound truth. Because they've been taught properly and they'd be doing the job. Pray for our missionaries who are out there right now. How many of you would like to have prayer? Because that's where you want to go? That's how you want to be. You want to ramp up your prayer life for those who don't know Christ as Savior. Would you slip up your hand? Amen. Amen. Our Father in heaven, as we prepare now for our communion, we're doing this because. You're the ultimate soul winner. You came to this earth. You did what you said you were going to do for us. We were on your mind when you were on the cross. And we want to thank you for that. And so as we take this now, we show your death until you come. It's not our message. It's your message. It's not a relationship with us. It's a relationship with you we want for them. And so, Lord, I want to thank you for that. And thank you for these, Lord, that are willing to take this message And allow you to grow them because they're choosing to apply it. Father, again, I pray for any in here who have not trusted you as Savior. That they would place their faith in you. And you alone as their only hope to get to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons. Founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida.